Thank you for tuning in to the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is an online ministry striving to feed people the life-sustaining bread of God's Word. Bread of the Word exists for the reclamation of the Bible in the heart, mind, and walk of all the saints of God, for it is the Bible itself which is the ultimate standard by which people are to live and honor God. Thank you for tuning in. This is Bread of the Word. To the Bread of the Word podcast, Reclaiming the Bible and Exalting Christ, one verse at a time. My name is Tyler, and I'm excited to be continuing our study in the Nativity and talking about the manifold office of Christ as it pertains to Christmas. We've talked uh, about some really good stuff these last couple weeks, and we are going into the third installment here. So we've talked about Christ as the eternal prophet, the eternal priest, and now we're getting to... Um, Christ as king. I'm, I'm excited for this one. This is, um, there's not really a hierarchy with these three, but this is, this is the, this is good. And so without further ado, let us dive into Isaiah chapter 9, and it says in verse 7, or sorry, in verse 6, it says, for to us a child is born, to us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it. With justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So last week, we discussed the way that Christ is enshrined as our high priest and gives us grace according to that office. We also established that the king and the priest are no longer separated. The king and priest of God's ransomed people is himself. And we now direct our attention to the king aspect of this manifold office. And it starts off in that, that prophecy in Isaiah. This is something we like to read at Christmas time. And it says, For to us a child is born, a son is given. We see here the promise of Christ's birth as a human. The preeminent Christ took on flesh and dwelt among, among us as one of us. That he, he came down from, from heaven and he dwelt among us as a human being. That he was fully God, yet fully man. And for what purpose did he walk away? Did he, as theologians call, endure the humiliation? Why would he make himself so much lower? For it says in Psalms that God made man lower than the angels. So why would Christ take that upon himself? And it says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. And when we read that word government, um, 
what we render as governments in Hebrew more accurately translates to dominion. That his dominion, the dominion shall be upon his shoulders. It says later in Isaiah, And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open, and none shall shut. He shall shut, and none shall open. He is supremely sovereign. It says in Revelation that he opens doors no man can close, and he closes doors that no man can open. Christ was king in the manger. He came to establish his kingdom on earth, and to lead us to it. Christ died for sin, so that we may enter this kingdom. We had to be ransomed from sin. The fact of the matter is, our sin, the way we violate God's law so freely, so willingly, that had to be dealt with. That's, that's something that had to be removed. Why? Because that separates us from God by our own nature. That we are by nature children of wrath. That we are bound to a worldview of sin. A culture of death. This is where, this is our natural state. We are in such a state of rebellion to God that we cannot come to Christ unless he changes the story. And so he came and died for sin so that we may be ransomed, that is purchased from sin, called out of that sinful world into the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus, um, in John chapter 3, Jesus was speaking with one of the um, profound Jewish leaders of the day. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus believed that Christ was the Messiah, but that was not a popular opinion among the Jewish leaders. And so he was meeting with Jesus by night, and he's asking him questions. And there's a very important spot here in verses 3 through 7. And it says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So, I reference the King James here because of how it distinguishes the pronouns. Thee is a singular pronoun. So it says, marvel not that I said these things unto thee. But then he says, you must be born again. You is a plural pronoun in that King James um, vernacular. Jesus goes from speaking to Nicodemus to the world itself. You, the people, plural, must be born again. That was for all people. This is the backdrop of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. God made us a kingdom, out of, and he called us out of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That We read that verse, and he's talking about all the people groups of the world, that his kingdom is not just Israel. He's not taking the throne of David and keeping the covenant within Israel. But he has 
made us a kingdom who were not in the covenant. He has extended that covenant to the Gentiles. It says in Revelation 5, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you, being Christ, were slain, and by your blood you ransomed. Again, we've got that word ransom. You purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them, you have made us, a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. The free gift of salvation unites us under the banner of Christ, who is called Wonderful Counselor, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and Mighty God with us. And I can say this, that this is for all people, and not surrender my so-called Calvinist card. That doesn't negate what I believe about election and reprobation. John 3.16 is still part of the whole counsel of God. Because God's gift of salvation is for all peoples. It's not about the Jews. It's not about Israel. It's not about America. It's not about France. It is about people. And that free gift of salvation unites all these people, all these tribes, all these nations under the single, the singular solitary banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the flag that we wave. The one who is called Mighty God, Eternal Father, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And all of that comes together in who he is. Not what we deserve, but who he is. He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is Eternal Father. He is Prince of Peace. He is Mighty God. These are not new names that were given to him. These are things that he already was. Because God doesn't change. And so these are things that were true about God in the Old Testament. These were true about Christ. Because Christ has always been. He's God. He was always divine. There was never a time where he wasn't. So he, these things were descriptive words of him now and New Testament. Old and New Testament, this was true about him. But all this comes together in this last verse, verse 7. So, he has dominion. That is on his shoulders. And he is our wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is our ever everlasting father. He is our prince of peace. He is the king. And he unites us all into one kingdom who are in him. And it says, of the increase of his government and of peace... There will be no end. This world has a king. See, this world has a king. And it's not Biden. It's not Queen Elizabeth. It's not Soros or any other fill-in-the-blank politician you could throw in. At the end of the day, the high king, the, the highest authority in this world, is Christ and Christ alone. All other magistrates, all other dictators, all other presidents, all of other prime ministers will bow to the eternal king of all creation. He is king of kings. He is governor of governors. He is president of presidents. It all bows to his reign. And of that, the, the increase of his government, there will be no end. His kingdom is on a forceful advance. Make no mistake, CNN may say one thing, but the Bible says that God wins. 
The Bible says that he shall reign, and that he must reign until all enemies have been brought under his feet, at which point this world will be delivered unto the Father because it is done. And where does he reign? On the throne of David and over his kingdom. That he is, he is the heir of David. Okay, he was born of the tribe of Judah. So he was qualified to be the Messiah, to be the rightful king of Israel. But by what Christ did on the cross, it's not just about Israel. Because all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. That he has taken that throne of David and is no longer just in the hands of a person. It is in the hands of God. That God rules Israel. That he is king over Israel, but he's also king over the world and over heaven. He reigns everything. There is no version of this that plays out where he is not Lord over everything. And he will establish and uphold his kingdom, it says, with justice and with righteousness. We, have, we are not lacking in an example in our modern context of kings, magistrates, whatever term you want to use, who are corrupt, who are unjust, who are wicked. And John Calvin once said that a wicked ruler is a sign of God's judgment. That when God judges a nation, he gives them wicked rulers to draw them to repentance. Why? Because there's a better king. The Israelites wanted a king. Because all the other nations had kings, why can't we have a king? And they were given a king. They were given many kings. And it was wicked king after wicked king after wicked king. And there were, and there were semi-righteous ones along the way. But as a generalized whole, the earthly kings of Israel were wicked because no one is good but God. And so Christ is the perfect king. He is the only king that rules with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. He reigns and he reigns rightly. He has all authority both as Israel's king and everything else. As Abraham Kuyper once wrote, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. We have a true king, and he reigns perfectly according to his perfect righteousness. And if there is a king above, then we must act accordingly. If Christ is king, then I am not. If Christ is king, then I can do nothing to change that. As it closes out this verse, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That it is the Lord who does this, who establishes his kingdom, not men. The cross did not hinder the kingdom of God. The Roman soldiers were not acting outside of God's sovereignty. That was part of the will of God and how God decreed to bring his kingdom into the fray, into the fray that when he established his kingdom and the reign of christ that was part of his plan to do so there was no there was no plan b there was no having to readjust it is all of god's sovereignty and he is sovereign over all and so we have to act accordingly 
You see, when we repent of our sin, when we turn from sin and seek Christ, when we come unto Christ, we are essentially bowing in recognition of his sovereign reign. As we continue drawing near to Christmas, consider the ways that you can further realize his sovereign reign over your life. If he does indeed reign, we must act as if he is. We have a king who is perfect, righteous, just, and sovereign over everything. And let me close by reading Psalm 115, verse 1 through 8. It says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name we give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they, do, they speak not. Eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. Our God, our King, is in the heavens. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bread of the Word podcast. I pray that it has been beneficial to your walk with God and that he has called you into a deeper relationship and fellowship with himself. If you want to hear more from Bread of the Word, feel free to hit that subscribe button down at the bottom. Get notified about new content whenever we go live. Um, you can also watch us on Rumble Video and YouTube, or you can listen on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, you can also find us on social media. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Gab, links will be provided in the bio um, if you would like to check those out. And there will also be a message in the comment section um, a free gospel message for download entitled The Two J's, The Joy of the Potter and the Journey of the Clay. That is something that I've written. That is something God laid on me to write and then send out. And so I'm not making anything off of it. I'm not selling it. It is free for you to read and share. We need a further saturation of the gospel in our world, in our culture. And it starts right here. Bread of the Word Ministries exists for the reclamation of the Bible and the exaltation of Christ through the reading and teaching of His holy transformative Word. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless. Matthew 4.4 4.